0: It's so lovely to be here with you this morning, and welcome also to anybody tuning in online or any formational communities who are watching during the week. I feel really privileged to be with you today to be sharing as part of our material faith mini series Bodies, Biospheres, and Brands. And it's great to be exploring with you this morning how our material world, how biospheres, God's created world, matters. So, in preparing for this talk, I was trying to recall what my very first memory would be in relation to anything to do with creation care. And what immediately came to mind was WWF. Now, not this WWF, although, interesting point, they had to change their branding because of the confusion. I'm talking about the World Wildlife Fund. Um, And my memory was this, it was going into a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant in Christchurch for a beautiful meal with extended family to celebrate something when I was about eight or nine years old. And in the entranceway was this quite large ceramic statue of panda bears. And they had, one had a slot in its head and it had a plaque on it, Um, but only my siblings and I seemed to notice it. I think it might have been just because it looked like something to climb on. The adults just went straight past into the restaurant, and my, um, my enduring memory was the thought and the question that in some way, the pandas needed money, but nobody noticed, so was that important? And the question of whether we should care for creation is one the church has to reckon with as well. And it's a question that's deeply connected to God's posture to the material world. So let's begin there. Let's go back to the very beginning of creation in Genesis 1. And if you're like me, you may struggle with the slightly underwhelming language that most translations use for this story. For example, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. It kind of gives the facts and that's about it. It must have been written by a scientist. But my favorite way to read through creation is to go through a version that's written more for kids because it captures a bit more accurately what I'm sure must have been the energy and the excitement that was present when God was calling into being all of creation. In The Magician's Nephew, such a well-known book, C.S. Lewis uses Aslan singing to call creation out, every note creating something new, which is amazing, such a cool imagery. And the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is a massive favorite in our house, uses language like this, then God said, hello animals, and everyone came out to play. The earth was filled with noisy noises, growling and gobbling and happy skerfuffling. You're good, God said. And they were. God saw all that He had made and He loved them. And they were lovely because He loved them. So much better, right? If I could, if I had time, I'd tell you the whole creation story. And it's easy to think that God. Um, just delights in saving souls or in spiritual maturity. But he actually gains joy from and delights in simply what he has made. Michael Labate, an expert in green development, puts it like this. At every step, God looked at what he had created and declared it is good. It doesn't quite translate, but the original Hebrew word there is closer to Inarguably perfect in every way. In fact, when he was finished, when when he was completely finished, God looked again at the sum total of all he had made and said, it is very good. It wasn't just inarguably perfect. Every quality about it was extremely perfect. So this is where we have to start. God's world is perfect to him. You can imagine him kind of saying to the angels, guys, guys, come and look at this. It's awesome. When God created the world, he made it very good and fit for purpose. The created material world and all its creatures are something that God loves and cares for. But do we? Caring for creation starts by sharing in the delight and the joy that God has for it. And throughout the Bible, we're reminded time and time again how important creation is to God. It's prolific creation language through the Bible, what it means to Him. And here's just some examples coming up on the screen Creation belongs to God, it's His, it's not ours. All of creation exists to glorify God, to worship Him. The earth and everything in it cries out to Him. Creation is so interactive with God. The earth isn't a static place, creation isn't static. God's always in it. You know those moments when you're in nature where you just feel like your soul is breathing it all in. You can taste it. You can smell it. Every sense is alive to it. Your heart just sings. Creation is God's home. Wherever we go, it's God's domain. It's his temple, which is why I think it's so natural for so many people to go into nature to connect with God. It's where he is. And through creation, we get to know God. Romans 1.20 says, For since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Another way to think of it is like this. Us Kiwis are um, pretty unique in the way that we like to personalise our homes. We're a bit obsessed with it, right? And last year, we spent quite a lot of the year doing a major renovation. And to be fair, I was not using Jesus Storybook Bible expressions of delight and joy of doing that during a lockdown. But every decision we made along the way was to make a home that speaks of us and our family, who we are, our aesthetic, how our family works, what's important to us, So you could come into our home now and make some pretty fair assumptions on who we are based on what you can see. FYI, the neat freak is Matt, not me. God invited us into his home that he loves, that reflects him as a place to be with him and to get to know him more deeply and to learn to be more like him. And because creation reveals something about the creator, we grieve when that creation is destroyed because we have a sense that in, some, uh, in, some, in which part of God's creativity is lost in that destruction. When the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris was severely damaged by fire a few years back, There was a huge public outcry and a lot of it was actually outrage at the French government accusing them of neglect and not properly looking after this vulnerable icon. Do we feel the same shock and outrage when we hear of a plant or animal species facing extinction because of human action or inaction? Do we feel any responsibility? Do we get a sense of what the loss of the artwork would feel like to the artist? Does our position in creation have any significance or relationship to the rest of the created world? So jumping back to Genesis, and the crazily alive and changing work of art that God's just made, it's ready to go, bringing potential. And then using the dirt he'd already created, those dust molecules already on the ground, he forms Adam and places him in the rest of creation. Into the creation that he already loved and he's already called good. We're not separate to creation. We're created from it and to be part of it. We didn't actually get our own special day We were created on the sixth day, along with every other land-dwelling creature, and this is where it gets important. Richard Bulcombe calls this fundamental relationship between humans and other creatures our common creatureliness, and this is what he has to say about it. God forms the first human from the earth, just as he does all living creatures, flora and fauna. This earthiness of humans signifies a kinship with the earth itself and other earthly creatures, plants and animals. Human life is embedded in the physical world with all that implies of dependence on the natural systems of life. So in other words, God hasn't placed us in this world as an isolated, autonomous, independent species, but as one that is dependent on and in relationship with the creatures around us and the environment that sustains us all. And it's crucial that we don't miss this because it's into this interdependent relationship that God speaks and gives humanity its mandate of stewardship. So once again, back to Genesis, and I'll summarize. God created human beings in his image. We know that. To be like him. And he tells us to reign over the earth and to govern it, to steward it. And then he continues in chapter 2 with a few more details about how this works. So firstly, God only planted a garden once he had created people to partner with him, to cultivate it, to tend it, to watch over it. We were always in the plan. God was never intending to be a solo gardener. And only once he had his team did he actually send water, to send rain to water the earth. There's a partnership with God expressed here. And an interdependence, a reciprocal relationship to the rest of creation right from the beginning. This means that the earth needs us to help bring forth all it can be to realize its potential, and likewise, our survival depends on how well we tend the earth so it can thrive. God wants us to put our stamp on it. He entrusted Adam with all the creative direction of naming the animals. That's how much he wants us to be involved, but we're not the boss. We're to act on behalf of him, to look after the world that's his. Richard Bolcom continues, The human role in relation to other creatures is one of care and service, exercised on behalf of God and with accountability to God. Creation has value not just for our use, but also for itself and for God. And humans are to care for creation as something that has inherent value. And we do this from a place of solidarity with creation one creature amongst others. This isn't the food chain, but the intricate web of life in play here, reflected in the relationship between God and humans, but also throughout the created world. To quote Michael Abate again, our world is full of such surprising interrelationships, where the success or failure of an individual organism affects many others. The more I study the vast wonders of this natural interlocking system, the more I'm amazed by God. He didn't simply call for casting individual species and create separate environments for them all. He scripted an incredible drama of interaction, dependence and interdependence upon interdependence. And it is the performance of this creation in motion that is so ridiculously awesome. How can I not be driven, compelled, obsessed by making sure this drama will continue to play out just as incredibly for my descendants? Loving our earthly home, partnering with God to care for and cultivate creation in the way he'd intended is loving our neighbor and our future neighbor just as God commanded. And lastly, God really wants us to enjoy this home he's made for us. Um, A few weeks ago, it was Matt's birthday. And in our house, birthday cakes are quite a thing for both kids and adults alike. And so this year, I'd made Matt um, Chelsea Winter's Nicolicious Cheesecake, entirely plant-based. He loved it, had no idea. Um, And as soon as the candles were blown out, what I'm really thinking is, do you like it? Is it good? Do you feel celebrated? Braid is this what you hoped for? Just tell me you like it. Tell me it's good. You know, trying to not make his birthday all about me. But you know, when you put your heart and creativity, your energy, your time into something for someone else to enjoy, it's kind of a little bit deflating if they don't. He did love it, just in case you're worried about how that turned out. So Enjoy what God's made. When you're out surfing, looking at stars, when you're walking in the park, if the kids are learning how to look after their pets, staring at the clouds, having a G&T and watching the sun go down, this is all bringing glory to God, enjoying his creation. And remember, it's God, and the the creation relationships we exist within and for. But we've barely had time um, today to scratch the surface on why creation and its care is so close to God's heart. But I really hope that um, your heart has been stirred and maybe reawakened to the wonder of the material world, that we may be a community that grows in God's love for our physical world. We're going to have communion in a minute, but just let me pray first. Father, we thank you for this amazing, amazing earth that you've placed us on, the creation that you've made us part of. I pray that we would know your love and your heart for creation uh, and our place within it. God, may we go out with fresh eyes today to see all you have created. Amen.